BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related. Running, endurance, conditioning, rucking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody out there in BeastNet land. Hammer here. And on this episode of BeastNet, we're talking with pro racer Alex Walker. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I am fantastic. It is my weekend now, so I can sit at home and, and relax and have a couple of days off before getting back to the, the daily grind. So tell us a little bit about yourself outside of OCR. Um, outside of OCR, I am a dental hygienist full-time, and I'm also a mom to a 13-year-old little boy. Wow. So a full-time job and a mom. How how do you how do you fit all of this into life and make it work? Um, I'm so used to it now. I'm lucky and fortunate with my job that I only work about a week, almost three and a half. And um, my okay. son's pretty active as well, so he's me in my workouts. Um, he needs to. Okay. Awesome. Well, it's it's good to hear that you know teenagers are actually getting out and doing things as opposed to a lot of the teenagers I I'm familiar with. They're stuck in the house watching TV, playing games and stuff like that. I mean, I can't say that I haven't done that, but as I got older, I started to realize, wow, look at all this time that I wasted. I could have been out doing other greater things. So I'm making up for it now in my older age than I was in my youth. But that's, so it's it's, it's good to see that, you know, you've got them tagging along and then exercising and getting out of the house and doing it whenever he wants to. So yeah, I mean, he lives a different life than most. Since on the weekends, he does end up at races. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, I still have a happy balance to play video games because that's like the norm for kids these days to talk about. But he's still required <laughs> actually to work out. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. So I know you get asked this all the time. It's like the first question on every interview. But it's like everybody's always dying to know what got you started into OCR. Uh, I still running and I guess you could say I got a little bored with it and I kept hearing about like Warrior Dash and Tough Mudder. So like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for it and check it out and see what it's like. Um, So I had done a Tough Mudder and it wasn't very competitive. A lot of people were walking and I was like, okay, I'm not really sure. This is, I mean, I'm having fun, but competitive is, I didn't know anything about the club at all. Um, So I ended up signing up for a Spartan in Dallas and I did the open heat because again, I had no idea about the world of it. Um, and I had a blast timed and chipped and I couldn't even do a rope climb. I couldn't do a lot of the obstacles. I, uh, was determined after that to find out, you know, how to get better at it. I found out the competitive world to it. So it's kind of how I felt. Awesome. So, so tell us a little bit about your, you know, your career and some of your favorite highlights. Um, in obstacle course, I definitely would say my biggest highlight right now is that I got fifth at Spartan World Championship this last year. <laughs> And then the year before, I got third the um, North American Championship that OCR World Championship puts on in the short course. Wow. That's awesome. Congrats on that. Thank you. So you were a 2019 pro team member. And how, you know, so how does that, did you ever think getting started into OCR that you would eventually become a pro team member? Um, I mean, was that a, like a, a goal or was that even on the horizon when you first started? Um, I think at first I just wanted to better myself um, and see kind of with everybody. Um, at the time, Jackie Russ um, on the pro team, and I remember watching them in Austin, Texas, just dominate. I think they beat me by like 10 minutes. And 
I remember going home and being like, I got to change this. Like, I got to get 10 minutes fast so that I can play these girls because I'm just competitive and I want to up in the front with them. Um, so I just slowly kind of chipped away at getting, you know, better at what my craft is, I guess. And, you know, becoming a better runner and becoming stronger and getting better at ops. I luckily have a great coach, Nancy Culp, and um, we just kind of put together what my goals are. And then I really chipped away at them. So I wouldn't have say that my goal was to be on the set for years later where I was like, okay, that's my, I would like to begging for it. But if they picked me and noticed me, then I would be happy to be on the set. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, um, I noticed there's, that's kind of funny. There seems to be a common theme with a lot of the interviews that I'm doing other than, you know, OCR being the most common theme. The one name I constantly hear interview after interview after interview is Yancey. And it's, it's funny because when I first started out doing this and somebody said Yancey camp, I was like, what, what's Yancey camp. And so now I'm just like week after week, after week, after week, it's Yancey camp, Yancey camp, Yancey camp. So it's, it's actually a pretty big testament as to how, how well and how effective um, Yancey is at being a coach. It's just insane. Oh, a hundred percent. I think he has it dialed down though. You know, I think the, the, with him is that he, he's been out there. He's been a racer. He's done the elite world. He's done the ultras. He's done the death. He's done the short courses, done all of it. So training those feelings that you're feeling when you're racing. And I think that that's what makes it really good when you have conversations with him because you can trust that process just because he's been there. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> so you know, with with um, training through Yancey Camp and all that, um, you know, you said that you were kind of chipping away here and there at the areas that you um, didn't start out being so great at. Um, are there still are there still other areas that that challenge you? Um, I mean, are there? Because I know there's areas for me that I've been kind of working away, and I've kind of like I wouldn't say neglected, so to speak, um, other areas, but like I focused so much more on. Um, I guess, bettering myself in certain aspects of my race um, to where I wouldn't say that I've kind of neglected them, but I guess my my focus just kind of keep, kept me from doing other things. But I guess what I'm try, really trying to ask is, is there anything that still challenges you um, during your races or your training? Yeah, 100%. You know, I think it's like a cube when you do OCR. Um, there's always like an other side. Um, so it's a little tough okay. because you could be focusing on your running. And like you said, you might neglect something else, strength training or grip work or mobility, whatever it is. And we tend to find our week, go there. And then we're like, oh, wait, I got to go back. It is um, an interesting balance of finding all of it. But yes, I'm definitely always on something. You know, I used to not be good at running mountains. So my 2019 goal was to to dominate um, in the mountains. And uh, I got better and better. And I still continue, you know, to see that I still have a lot to improve when it comes to running up and down them. Um, always get better at my grip work. Well, judging by the videos I've seen, I, I don't know if you need to work on your grip work anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> grip work is fantastic. I feel like um, we just never know, though. Tahoe, we had no idea snow and be icy. So, like, you have to be prepared whether, like, even if you have good grip, yeah. what if it's cold? What austerity doesn't work? And it's just, like, finding yeah. the little difference that. And you never know what ops come out with, you know, like OCR World Championship came out with floating. Um, what did they call them with the num not the nunchuck, but it's like a floating monkey bar. 
and um, Force 5 came out with that one. I think were tough for everybody last year when we went to yeah. North American Championship. Yeah, and that's that's the one that you've got. Um, it's actually got like the the bar that you, it's removed, like it removes from the yeah, thing. You have to like, you have to put it in there and hold it. Yeah, oh my gosh. And it turns, so you never know. And one of the, we weren't sure if it was going to be slippery. So you just, even if you have the best, I think I saw Ryan Ack, I think, um, uh, chicken winged it one time just to be safe. And he has like the best grip on the planet. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Some of those, some of those free climbing videos I've seen, I'm just like, holy cow. Like I just, it blows me away that someone is even, could even just do that. And I don't know. It's just crazy. Like I found myself watching it kind of over and over again. And I was like, I was like, Hey babe, come check this out. This is insane. Yeah. Like free solo. That was just, some of those oh, rock yeah. climbers. Incredible. Um, let's see. Oh man. This thing popped up on my computer and I lost my, <laughs> oh, there it is. It interrupted everything here. Do you like the beast net? Do you want to keep hearing it? Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more at beast pod. Continuing on from 2019, um, were you invi- invited back for 2020, and are you going to continue? Uh, for the Spartan Pro Team? Yes. Uh, yes, I've been invited back, and I hope to, you know, I'm with them. And, you know, I love Spartan, what we do out there. I would just like to mm-hmm. a little bit more communication when we're talking um, with them about our contracts. It's my biggest yeah. concern. Um, so I hope this year that is my goal. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I know, I know there, like I, we had talked about earlier, there's been some, some talk on social media concerning the Spartan contracts. And, um, so I'm, I'm happy that, you know, you were kind of able to, you know, provide me a little bit of, you know, what's going on in your, in your head about that. So, um, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that, uh, you know, you were invited back and that, uh, your plan is to continue. So, um, Continuing, I know that you said that you were um, planning on jumping into some national races, maybe doing some mountain series this year. Um, does that mean you'll be traveling to Seattle? Because it would be really cool to have you up here and, you know, maybe swing by the tent and say hey or something, you know? Uh, that is my goal. That is like one of my venues. I actually grew up horseback riding, so I think that's one of the reasons why I like that venue. <laughs> um, but oh, okay. yes. Cool. Um, so... What races are you are you most excited for this year? Because I see that you're currently training for High Rocks Dallas, and uh, I kind of wanted to see you know how you were feeling about that. I'm excited. It's something new, um, so I'm pretty much to jump in and test it. You know, uh, so I don't know how the sled or the sled pool or any of the stuff or the hundred wall balls at the end are going to go. So I think it's kind of um, an exciting moment where I'm kind of scared, but I'm like confident <laughs> in my training. <laughs> So okay. I don't know. It's new. I like it. Cool. So how how are you training for high rocks? And is that I'm assuming that training is at least um, slightly different from how you would train for a regular race. Yes. Um, so I sit in with my mountain training because I do plan to do the entire mountain Spartans here. And um, okay. So that's like school. I just I don't know. I just love being in the mountains and running up and down them more than I like running flat. Um, so. I with that and then we finish my workouts with a little high rocks workout. So a lot of sled and kind of mixing running and rowing between that. And then I do my strength training at a gym called Iron Fit, um, which is right across the street from where I live. And I do a lot of heavy squats and lifting with them just to get pair get prepared for the mountains and then also for high rocks. Awesome. Yeah, I've noticed kind of a um a thing over the past year 
in doing a lot of these interviews where people racing in OCR have kind of started to branch out and maybe test the waters of different, you know, different types of um, physical fitness, like, you know, endurance racing, or um, I just, last week, I just interviewed um, Casey from um, Epic Series. And I I was like, I was talking to him, I, I kind of noticed this, this push to get into more of like a centralized, um, you know, like a centralized exercise or a centralized event where it's, you know, highly spectator friendly, it's, it's easily televised, you know, and it's all just basically like in one local area. And I've noticed that um, they're really starting to incorporate a lot of different areas, um, I guess, I don't know, um, different areas of like physical fitness, whether it be strength or endurance or, you know, just, I don't know, like all kinds of stuff. I, I can't, the list is so long and I can't even think of it right now because I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the mindset because every time I hit record, it's like, okay, I just lost everything I was going to say. And... No, I get it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, high rocks through the deck of functional fitness. You're seeing just the stadium runs and kind of a different things. Um, so it's kind of neat. I mean, at the end of the day, I'll be honest, I'm not really indoor like stadium runs um, or even just yeah. the high rocks. It's not where I enjoy. I love trail running is where my passion. Um, but I also like being myself and challenging myself with new things. So I think that that's kind of where high rocks has kind of like opened everybody's eyes right now in OCR. And I think that that's yeah. kind of cool because I know Rose Wetzel is coming to Dallas. I saw that on her Instagram. Um, which is right the day before Jacksonville. So I'm not really sure if she's even going to go to Jacksonville, um, but they're coming to Dallas high rock. So interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely should. I, um, <clears throat> and you know, it's funny cause I, I like how inclusive it is. Cause I know that OCR um, for the most part is pretty much uh, tailored to, I wouldn't say tailored mostly to runners, but I mean, there, there is a lot of running involved. So most people that, that do um, OCR that you see basically shining up towards the top are um, typically your, your distance runners or your, you know, your cross country runners and stuff like that. The, the people that just, they have breath for days and legs for days. And, um, but I like, I kind of like, I, I'm not an inside person myself. I really love the outdoors. So um, it's kind of appealing to me, I guess, that you would have all of these different types of events that kind of balance things out, um, you know, in one specific event. That way there's, it's not really, I, I guess you would say catered or leaning towards one specific type of athlete. So um, yeah. in a way I kind of find that appealing, um, you know, but like you said, for the most part, it's, um, it's really challenging. And that's, that's the thing I, I got into OCR for was I really enjoyed challenging myself. It's, you know, the very first time I ever did, you know, an obstacle race, my, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, she was like, Hey, let's go out and do this crazy little thing and, you know, get muddy and all this. And I'm like, Oh, great mud. So yeah, let's do that. And I wasn't really excited about it. And halfway through it, I was like, man, this, this is really kicking my butt. Cause I was kind of a couch potato and, you know, it's like, I, I really in, am enjoying this, but I'm getting my butt kicked. And afterwards I was hooked. I think that's the way it is for everybody. Well, I wouldn't say everybody, but I, I know some people that have run a race and they're like, okay, I'm good for the rest of my life. 
But <laughs> for the most part, I think that's how a lot of people have started out. And a lot of, they just, they get hooked. They're like, wow, this is completely different. Not something that I normally do on a regular basis. And I would like to do it on a regular basis. Um, and then after a while, you know, you've got people that, uh, you know, they branch out. And I've seen quite a few people go the endurance route. Um, I know quite a few people that are, you know, basically into all the ultras. And I know my brother-in-law, he's like fiending for an ultra buckle. And I'm just like, you're insane. Go ahead, go do it. I'm not going to participate. Um, he's done, um, he's done a couple marathons, him and his, his buddy, pretty Mike. And, um, you know, they're just, they're insane. So slowly, but surely they're working me into getting into this stuff. <laughs> but yeah, challenging myself and, and well, challenging yourself to be a better version of yourself is ultimately the goal. And I, um, I think that they've, you know, they've got a really good idea on their hands. Um, it's not really, uh, it's not really going to appeal too much, like you said, to the people that are really into trail running, being outside, being in nature. But every once in a while, I feel like it's good to kind of change things up just to kind of get out of that, you know, that, I don't know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a rut, but kind of like a pigeonhole sometimes um, yeah. and, and get out of that and just maybe you know, be a little bit nomadic and kind of shake it up and go someplace different. So it'll be, I think it'll be pretty cool. I'm interested to see exactly, you know, how it's, uh, how it's going to go down. I'm, I'm slightly familiar with that kind of, I guess, environment in, you know, mentally, but just because uh, everything from Epic series is so fresh in my mind from last week, we talked about that for probably a good half an hour. And so, I've got kind of a good idea of how it works and, but it just seems to me like it's, it's pretty cool. And it's a good way to challenge, not just, you know, one particular type of athlete, but multiple. And the fact that it kind of balances it out and kind of gives everybody this, this shot to be kind of top tier. is kind of cool. It's, it's pretty appealing to me. So. Yeah. There's something special about uncomfortable in a race, like, physically uncomfortable and mentally uncomfortable that I guess keeps us coming back for more, whether it is a hundred miler race or 24 hour race, or even just a 5k. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I've, <laughs> I've had plenty of those times where I've been uncomfortable during a race. And, um, you know, it's, the, I guess for me, it's like this, I don't know. I get like this really cool sense of elation afterwards. Um, Cause I, I mean, I, I'm on, I only compete in open waves. I'm not, I'm not really in any shape to be either um, in like elite or anything like that. So I always just do the open waves just for fun. Um, it's a way for me to get out of the house and challenge myself and, um, you know, and make a mess. It's, it's just, it's fun. Um, but getting past those challenges and being uncomfortable and um, I've had plenty of them. And after I get done with it, I'm just like, wow, I survived it. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. so bad. Like I, I did mean, a world's really toughest mutter and uh, that was, um, they moved it to Atlanta and it was like freezing cold. And I had no idea that I was through that race or not. Um, and I think I ended up <laughs> fourth, fourth or fifth. Did they have that crazy, uh, what was it like where they had the four, um, like the four shipping conaxes stacked on each other and you had to jump off into the water? Yes, the stacks. That was the cool thing uh, ever. Oh, you wouldn't catch me dead on that thing. I'm not going to lie. Climbing <laughs> up it, scariest thing. And I was like, I don't know if I wanted to just open it because they opened it at midnight. 
And I think I was the third or fourth person to jump. And I was like, I was told not to go to the edge and look. I wait. And when they say go, just walk and jump. And that's what I did. And it was just the cool experience. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've definitely um, experienced some height on some obstacles. We actually did a, um, oh, I can't remember which, which race it was, but my wife and I, we did a race a couple years, I'd say probably about two years ago. And it had a couple of Connexes stacked up. And in between the Connexes, um, so it was like two Connexes high. Um, from the two Connexes, you had to climb up a, um, like a cargo net, but it was really loose um, in between uh, uh, that stack of two up to a stack of three. So you had probably about a, I don't know, a 15 foot, I guess, expanse across between these two stacks. Um, and it was, it was kind of nerve wracking being up. Um, I wouldn't really say it was that high because you, you, you're standing at the bottom and you're like, Oh, that's not high at all. You get on top of it. And of course, perspective changes. But the part that I think made it the scariest for us was after that third stack, there was, basically like an inflatable slide that you had to climb up. Well, there were so little people on it, and I don't think that it really had as much air running through it as it should. It was kind of, I wouldn't say saggy, but you would step on these steps, and they really weren't that prominent. So having mud on your feet, you were slipping a little bit, and they didn't have any barriers kind of on the side there, um, and it really wasn't that wide of, a, uh, of an obstacle. When we got to the top, once you got to the top, it's not like you were sitting on this like, you know, inflatable slide that was fully inflated. You were sitting on it and it kind of drooped in the middle. And I actually almost, when I started to get ready to go down the slide, I almost fell backwards off that because it, it, there was hardly any, in, um, it wasn't really air sturdy air. enough. There was no air. Yeah. There just wasn't enough air. And it was really scary because I almost fell off and it took her like reaching over and pulling me forward, and we both went down the slide together at the same time. Um, because had I rolled backwards, I would have rolled right off of it, down you know, the, the step portion, onto the Connex, and probably down into the cargo net. And yeah, that just would have, not have been fun. It would so. not have been a good day. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, height puts a lot of perspective on things. And um I don't know. It's like getting started in this stuff. I never thought that I would do some of the stuff I've done. And that's, that's a big portion or like a big portion of it is you see all these different obstacles that you're like, that's crazy. I would never do that in real life, but here you are and you're doing it. So that's true. And it's weird. Cause like when you're in a race mentality and you're out there, even open wave, elite wave, it doesn't matter. I don't care what you're doing, but you have like this different mentality when you're in a race than if you're sitting at home looking at pictures. Because there's sometimes yeah. I look at things and I'm like, I don't think I would do that. And then when I'm in a race, I've been to a raging river or whatever it is that I have to do. I'll just do it <laughs> because I'm not really the time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's been a couple obstacles that I've, I've faced like that. We did um, when we did the Seattle Beast, there was a couple of obstacles that uh, I was just like, uh that's kind of sketchy. I wouldn't do that in real life, but I'm in a race. So guess what? I got to do it. Yeah. Um, I did a conquer yeah, a gauntlet we, one time and they had pouring <laughs> down torrential rain and they were supposed to close off the river, but they didn't or something happened. And all top, all the men, including myself, all jumped this raging river and swam across it. And we weren't even supposed to do it. It was insane. And 
in your right mind, you would not have gotten it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was, um, there was, geez, what was it? It was when we did the Beast, we actually had, there was a section that we were supposed to go through, um, of like a creek or a river up here. And they had actually let, I don't know, the first, however many people go through it. I think it was like the first couple of waves. And by the time we had gotten to it, um, it was actually rerouted and we didn't have to go through it. But from what I heard um, from racers after the race was that they had shut it down and rerouted it. I don't know, like a specific, whatever time it was. Either way, whatever time it was, it was only like five to 10 minutes before we got there. So had we actually like picked it up and not kind of been going at our, like our tortoise party pace, we would have had to go through it too. And I was already, I I was already cold enough. Um, you know, honestly, I don't know if that was the beast or if that was the super. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was the super. Um, this last because, year, because y'all's river was freezing. Yeah, yeah, I think it was this last year's super. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, I was already freezing enough. I couldn't imagine having to have gone through that river. It was insane. It was piercing. That's, I remember I could feel it in my bone. <laughs> yeah, there's, there was a section too that, uh, everybody was so cold that race. We stopped at a, it was actually right there, right around all the event center. Um, they had, I don't know, it was kind of like the big, almost like you, the big wall climb, but then you like traverse over the, like the beams and it was over the walkway, like the entrance way to the event center from the parking lot. Yes, right after and the so, tire flip. Yes, right after the tire flip. So when we got down from that, there was actually this little shed where they had been storing like all the um, the Spartan banners and the, you know, the flags and all that kind of stuff. And it was just this like, you know, run down little shed from the, the equestrian center there. And like, I think probably like 15 of us got in there and we all just huddled together. And like, I didn't know a single one of these people at all. And I mean, we were just strangers embracing the, the warmth. It was insane. <laughs> it's moments like that that you friend. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things we touch on, especially here on BeastNet, is the community. I mean, that's, we preach community all the time. Community, community, community. I don't think there's ever been an episode that we've recorded where we have not said that word. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, there would be people, I don't think it wasn't for OCR. I wouldn't be friends or I would never have met them um, if it wasn't for it. <laughs> and, and now they live halfway across the country. They're like people I talk to every single day. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely met a lot of really cool people that, you know, there are some people that I've met that I would totally be friends with outside of OCR had I met them just, you know, with some random venue. Um, but then there are other people that, you know, I would just, I would probably just, I wouldn't say take for granted, but just, you know, pass by on the street and I wouldn't think anything of it, you know, it just because, uh, you know, um, I guess aesthetically, I mean, that's, that's how we, you know, that's how we do things here. And, and, and that's just, I wouldn't necessarily be interested in, in, I guess, approaching somebody on the street regularly that, doesn't fit like, you know, my lifestyle or doesn't fit, you know, um, you know, what like music I listen to or how I dress or, or whatever. But I've met some insanely cool people that are totally different for me that I talk to, you know, on a regular basis. And it's, it's fantastic. It gives you so much different perspective, not just on OCR and community, but life in general. Yeah, 
definitely super cool. I feel like every race, I always try to uh, remember like a volunteer on course that like, I don't know, that moment special. And I feel every single time I've found one, which is kind of cool. That's cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah I know we've, we've actually um, had a couple uh, volunteers that like uh, my niece, she, she volunteers all the time. And the, you know, talking, going kind of back to that, where you said the, the volunteers that make it special. Um, when we did the beast this past year, it was my first beast. And I, I had a lot of reservations for myself just because I'd never really gone that, that far before. Um, I, I did have a lot of trouble at the super um, prior to it, but it was a lot colder then. And, you know, during the beast, it was definitely much warmer. So I wasn't so apprehensive about that, but distance wise, I, I mentally, I was like, I don't know, I was doing that whole, like, you know, beating myself up mentally before you get, you know, get to a race, the whole anxious, um, the whole anxiety of, of just racing in general. Um, but when we got to the end, um, we did the hercoist and jumped over the fire. And after jumping over the fire, I look up and there's, um, my niece and she's, she's got both of our medals and she's like, here you go. You know, and, and it was really cool because I thought she was still out volunteering on the course, but she had worked her way over, uh, to the metal area. And she, I, she thought it would be really cool to, you know, be the one to place our medals on us. And it was really cool. Like nothing can ever replace that. That's, you know, my brother-in-law and I, we just, it was, it was actually really cool. And I think, I think for him, it was really special too, because I know that he brings her to a lot of the events and stuff, but for her to actually be the one to kind of, you know, put the metal on him after such a long and grueling day, it it was really cool. And, and that, I don't know, that's something that I'll, I'll never forget. And, you know, until old age. And <laughs> That's awesome. Just moments like that, that make everything special. I mean, for me, a lot of times where I travel, I don't have people there that I know. And so you're a random yeah. volunteer that like, I don't know, makes that moment in racing special. Like I always, yeah. We, um, I know that I, I saw an, um, I guess it was an interview that I had read, um, of yours from somebody else that you, you're not really particularly a fan of, of electrocution or being shocked in, in these events. And so, um, I think one of the, one of the volunteers that I think actually made my tough mutter even better this past year was this volunteer. We had never done a tough mutter myself and pretty Mike and, Don really wanted us to get out there and do it. And he was like, well, I'm talking to, he had talked to one of the, um, he had talked to one of our, our really good friends and ambassadors um, for Tough Mudder, Charity Fick. And he had talked to her and was like, hey, you know, we want to get, I want to get Mike and, and Hammer. I want to get them and, and get them shocked. And so um, she was like, all right, cool. So we... <clears throat> I don't know if I don't know if I should say this, but we signed up for just the short um, tough mutter. But we once we got to the little like the split, um, we were actually with the um, we were with charity, and they nobody. I mean, none of the course no, none of the course uh, volunteers or anything like that were like checking the wristbands or anything like that. And she says she's like ah just just do it, let's go, and so. We did, you know, it was like she wanted us to experience what it was like. So we basically kind of had our own ambassador escort throughout the entire Tough Mudder, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, 
her uh, her husband Ryan is absolutely hilarious. Um, they're actually the the most recent and newest um, hosts of BeastNet up in Canada. So, um, but <laughs> when we went through the first shock obstacle, I really was just like, no, I, I don't want to do this. I, I literally thought about just walking around it, and I said, you know what? Pretty Mike's doing it. I feel bad for him. I don't want to, you know, him to be the only one that really hated this and have to go through it. So I got down and, and crawled through it. Now, the bad part for me was it wasn't even the electrocution. It was the rocks on my knees. And I didn't even think to bring knee pads to an event. Gee, how genius. <laughs> so um, the shock, 10 feet in, I'm not even worried about the electrocution anymore. I'm just like, man, these rocks are horrible. Why? Why did I... Did I even do this? And every time I got shocked, it was like it, it was just trivial, can, you know, compared to the amount of pain that I had in my knees. And so <laughs> I get to the very last, um, I don't know, probably like six or seven feet of this obstacle. And the um, I, I don't know if it was charity or if it was one of the other volunteers, um, but I'm pretty sure it was charity. Had this little like stick or a rod or something and was pushing all of the electrical fence towards me and pushing it onto me. So at the very like last two or three feet, when I was getting ready to come out of the obstacle, I had so much wire and so much um, contact with this obstacle that the last little like, you know, surge of electricity, it, <laughs> it felt like it just lit me up. And it was, I mean, that was a pretty significant shock. And honestly, I think after that, everything else shock-wise was just, there was nothing that compared to that. So I think that's kind of one aspect that made it easier for me. And I, that's one instance as well that where a volunteer just kind of made, or a volunteer or um, somebody involved with the race had made it so much more enjoyable. Because I came out feeling like, okay, that really sucked. But it's really not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So That makes me cringe. <laughs> this whole time, I'm like, cringe. I, and I don't like the word very often, but I cannot stand those <laughs> obstacles. I, oh. When I first was Tough Mudder, my father was still alive and uh, came with me. And he just sat there laughing people getting electrocuted and hitting the ground. Like, he just found that <laughs> so entertaining. Well, I'm a small enough to crawl underneath the hole. He made fun of me forever about that. Uh, but yeah, I cannot stick <laughs> Yeah, see, and a lot of the time, um, sorry, I'm fighting like a huge cough right now. No, you're um, fine. So a lot of the time, I'm okay with certain obstacles, um, walls, um, any of the water stuff. I'm, I'm okay with the electric stuff now. My, my two big tickers for me, I think, are... Uh, things where I have to do like um, like submersion with an, like an obstructed view. So like if not really the dunk wall, the dunk wall is fine. I can get under the dunk wall any time of the day. But like with Tough Mudder, when you had to do the, um, what was that? The Arctic Enema. That to me was so nerve wracking because I could not see, you know, with the dunk wall, you can see pretty much where you're going, what, you know, what you're, um, you can kind of feel how far you have to go down underneath the wall and you know how far it is. And with the Arctic enema though, they had where you have to duck and like go under these tires. And I'm not necessarily the smallest guy. So I had this like huge panic attack. Um, and you know, mentally I had this panic attack of, 
oh my God, I'm going to get stuck under this tire underwater and it's freezing under there and I'm going to end up being a, you know, a human popsicle. And it took me 10, like 10 minutes of standing in that water. By that time, my legs were pretty much dead. Um, and I was like, all right, I just, I have to do it. So I couldn't have done it um, any other way than like dunking myself under and pulling myself through like if I was laying on my back. Because if I would have done it like some of these other people, like kind of, you know, where you do like a prone dive underneath it, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't have worked for me. I, I totally would have freaked out. I I literally felt like I wanted to make sure that I maintained control and just was able to pull myself through. And so I, I really do struggle with submersion, um, especially with obstructed view, um, except for the dunk wall. The dunk, like I said, the dunk walls were basically the only exception to that. Um, and then my biggest, I'd say probably my biggest hang up is um, loose cargo nets. I absolutely hate loose cargo nets. There was at that specific top mutter a a huge A-frame, and it was probably a good, I don't know, 60, probably 60 to 75 feet tall. Yeah. It was huge. They're um, a big one. And it's called the Manador or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And I I climbed up a quarter of the way, um, at least on the wall portion. And then when I stood on the actual cargo net, it sank down probably like a good foot. And I just, I the first thing in my head was, nope, I'm getting off this right now. And, um, you know, it, it, to me, it's easier when you have all these people on it, um, I don't know, like my mind kind of goes back and forth because you, you have all these people on it and you're like, man, how can these how can these cargo nets stand all this weight and tension with all these people on it? But on the other side of that, I would rather have all those people on it and having that cargo net just completely and totally tense and taut to where I know that I have that stability and I don't have to worry about, you know, possibly, you know, sinking down and feeling like I'm going to fall. And the I think my biggest thing is just having... Um, I'm pretty top heavy. So, so having a loose cargo net for me is like, if I'm standing on it and I have to fall backwards, I feel like that net's just going to go right with me. And that's, that's my biggest hang up. So, um, I, I have a couple, um, I, I, I have to, learn to get over them. them. I don't like that either. Yeah. Um, cargo net. <laughs> I tend to, yeah. um, wrap my arms on the inside of the cargo net when I'm coming down, when it's super loose like that. Um, I did that at World's yeah. Toughest Mudder because they had it super loose. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to when my hands are tired and I'm freezing cold. And if I fall off, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, and, and that's just adapting and overcoming. It's, you know, just using, you know, something as simple as that to overcome this huge obstacle. And it's it's awesome. It, there's so many life life lessons just to be learned from going through an OCR race or an OCR event. And at the time, you really don't even think of them as life lessons. But when you're done with it, you're like, wow, you know, I could, I could really apply the mindset that I have during this race to almost every aspect of my life. And it would make things so much easier. Yeah. I mean, it makes you mentally tougher. And I think when you yeah. have like life stressors aren't as um, stressed out about it, hey, well, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, OCR for me is, is pretty therapeutic. Um, you know, you get out there and you you get a lot of that that angst and that rage or or whatever it is, whatever emotion that you're you're feeding off of, you can you can get out there and just sweat it out, bleed it out, run it out, 
you know, whatever, you can get it out of your system. And it's to me, it's it's actually by the time I get done with the race, I've forgotten about everything that's already, you know, ticked me off for the day. And it's it's all gone. It's like it's a brand new day and I my slate's clean and I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's it's pretty cool. I think it's the only time that we are 100 percent focused of in that moment. At least for me, like anytime I'm racing, I'm not thinking about what I need to cook, what I need to clean, what I need to do for work, what I need to do for my son. Like I am 100% focused on what I'm doing at that moment. I think that we don't see that a lot because we're so busy on our phones with work. We're busy with so many things in, in normal life that I think it gives us a chance to be in the moment, which I think is huge. Yes, it is. It is completely. Um, so do you have any professional promotional or personal shout outs that you want to put out there? Um, not really. Join us at you. And if you have questions on it, you can always DM me, um, as much as I can. <laughs> That's gotta be pretty tedious between, you know, having a full race calendar, uh, being a mom and a dental hygienist and, you know, answering messages. And so we juggle it all. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so lastly, before we uh, before we wrap everything up, I wanted to see uh, if you could lead us out with some words of encouragement. Oh, man, that's always tough. I guess uh, any time <laughs> like things aren't getting better, just get out and run better after for sure. You know, any goal that you feel like is too big, you can definitely do it. I mean, I never thought I'd be where I'm at right now in racing. So definitely get awesome. after it. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Alex, so much for bringing your love of OCR into our lives and for building us up into better versions of ourselves. And thank you for being a part of tonight's episode of Beastman. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, well, I mean, the interview is pretty much over. So uh, awesome. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much um, for, for being a part of this. We'll definitely have to get together when you come up to Seattle. And um, I don't, I'm don't. i not sure if we'll have our own BeastNet tent or anything like that. Usually we're all just over at our own team tent. Um, we've got we've got so many people. I think we just get biggest team every year. That's awesome. Um, well, either way, we'll have to know. And either one, come find me at the pro ten, or I'll come find you in person. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You you don't have to worry because we're always trying to you know we're always trying to figure out who we can talk to next. So we're always kind of looming about the pro tent and all kind of. And we're like vultures. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's how you gotta but, be uh, sometimes. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's exactly. I mean, if you want to if you want to get the scoop and you want to talk to somebody, that's just how you got to be sometimes. So. Well, thanks. I had fun actually, and I I'm always yeah. feel nervous on interviews like this, but I had fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I'm I'm one of the hosts, and I'm always nervous. So uh, it's it's just a thing. Like I'm always anxious before I start a show, and um, I'm like, what am I gonna say? I'm gonna am I gonna just say uh all the time? Am I gonna get caught up in my words? I know last week when I was talking with um, Casey from um, Epic Series, there was a spot where I couldn't think of a word, and the word I think was um, appealing. And I was talking about the the whole like indoor venue, kind of like Hydrox, and I was like, yeah, it's um, it's like uh, oh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, and I just kept blanking and blanking and blanking. And he's like, he's like family friendly, and like he's helping me out by like you know throwing <laughs> words out and trying to guess and. Um, and you know, it's just every once in a while, I kind of just, my mind will just go right away from me right in the middle of an interview. And that's what I'm most nervous about. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm on, you know, I'm on this. Thankfully I can, I can edit most of that stuff out. And, um, but you know, it, it happens, you know, it's just, it's what it is. You know, you, you don't typically do 
you know, unless you're like a radio host, you don't, or, or a journalist, you don't typically do interviews and stuff like, like this, you know, every day or even once yeah. a week. So it's, it's, it is kind of a new experience and it's a, it's a new experience for me every time, mainly because I'm talking to people I've never met. Um, and that, that plays a huge part into why, into why I get nervous. I'm like, are they going to talk? Are they going to answer questions? Cause we've had, we've had some people that you ask them, you know, so, uh, you know, like what example of one time, uh, I asked this one guy, he's, um, a long distance runner and he was running like a whole bunch of marathons. And I asked him, so, you know, how's your training, you know, going for all your marathons that you're going to run this year? He's like, good. Oh, that's the worst. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, something to I, work with, man. <laughs> <laughs> I need content here, not monosyllabic answers. So yeah, one thing Nancy uh, is like super good about is throw in the bus like with people. And so he's always like, get into it more. Talk to them. Just wing it. Like, trust me, people will like it. And I'm like, hey, yeah, I, I tend to think that people kind of like they like more raw and un, um, I guess, unscripted answers. They're not. We have so much going on in the world that's so polished and so perfect that just having something that's so fresh and raw in an interview or even just talking to somebody, that's kind of a big breath of fresh air. Yes, I love it. I mean, those are the podcasts that I like to like. They're having fun, laughing, and they're talking about things that aren't boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely. Um, I know Mike, pretty Mike's got like a whole bunch of different podcasts and He's just, that guy is so busy doing podcasts all the time. He's got his own comedy podcast. He's got his own, like, nerd podcast where they talk about, like, comics and movies and stuff. He's got his own, well, he's the other the host for, or the other host for Beastman, the original host, um, and the one that basically got me started into doing this. Thanks, Mike. Um, but, um, yeah, he's just, oh, my gosh, he does it so much all the time. His, I'm surprised his wife hasn't just, like, you know, either left cut him, him or him or something yeah or cut him off because he spends so much time doing podcasts it's insane um i just don't know how he has all the time so <laughs> yeah i love but, it like it's your craft like you're just gonna be really good at it because i feel like people say the same thing yeah. about me that you find the time to work out two or three times a day and i'm like i figure it out <laughs> yeah you know if you love doing what you do you're gonna you're gonna find a way to incorporate it in your life no matter what and definitely you know you so well, thank I'll, you so uh, much. I'll go ahead I hope and, you feel better. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Um, have yourself a great night, and uh, we will talk again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. This show is brought to you by James Safety Services. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 